Well, good morning. It's another Saturday morning, another opportunity to speak about the truth of God. Sean, how are you this morning? Doing very well this morning. Thank you for asking. Looking forward to where this is going to go, and um, hope everybody's having a good morning. Thanks for joining us. And we'll be back in a moment. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, Sean, how's it feel? We start today, year number two on the podcast. Well, not only how does it feel, but just the awesomeness of a year. Does it seem, seem like a year? Yeah, like we said, I think we were walking a couple of days ago and you said, you know, time flies. But for us, the, it doesn't matter how fast time goes by because we have eternity. And yeah, just awesome. I remember when we were even talking about doing this. Well, how do we do a podcast? How do we? And now it's like, well, yeah, this is how you do a podcast like we've always done it. So no, just a, another milestone. And um this here, what we're going to be talking about is uh, just goes right in line with what we talked about, about being set apart, being holy. So just goes right in line with how y'all works. Yeah. And we're not boasting of any kind of fact that we, uh, that we were the ones that figure out this podcast. Well, we just figure out more and more how to trust mother and the words that she's going to give us. And then we go from there because it's really the work of God in us. Uh, and yes, we have to do the work, um, but we couldn't do it without them. And Because the goal of faith is God doesn't want you to be in a position where you continually need to be just calling on them to give an answer and, and well, I don't know, and I, I need this answer and, and just that's a part of the journey in the, in the beginning you don't know things and you don't understand and you don't have enough uh spiritual discernment to make those decisions but the whole purpose of mother's teaching within us the spirit's teaching for us is that we can know the truth and speak the truth and that truth comes from mother, not from us. We want to make sure that we're applying what's necessary in our lives. And with this podcast, it's been about what mother's been giving us to be able to do what we're doing. But we want to be able to, to a point where we're able to make decisions on our own. Now, they're not decisions that are independent of God, they're decisions because of our dependency on God that we have learned 
that we understand that we've grown in. And when you've learned something, then why, why do I need to go back and ask them about something they've already made clearer to me? And so I don't. Now, if there's any question about something, I certainly want to make sure that what I'm speaking is true. But once they've clarified it, they don't need us and we don't need to go to them for every single situation or everything that happens rather than we use spiritual discernment that, no, I I know this is the truth of God and this is what it's about. And so this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to say. This is how I'm going to act, you know that type of concept in the midst of it. Um, So it's important that we recognize that, yes, it's always, we're always going to have a dependency on God, but that dependency is that they teach us the truth. And then once they teach us the truth, then our sharing back with the teacher is us showing them that we paid attention and we're listening to what they say And so we don't have to go to the teacher. I mean, think about it. Think that when you played the trumpet, if in college you had to go to your uh, professor for trumpet for everything, he would say, "Um, I I think maybe this class isn't for you. I think you need to uh, maybe rethink playing the trumpet because you're not applying the things that I've taught you and you're coming back to me asking the same questions. Well, I just don't want to make a mistake. And well, I understand that, but go ahead. It would be like this. You're at the collegiate level, which you're not at a professional level. You're training to be a professional, which a professional means is that it's your, it's your profession, meaning that you take the lessons that you've applied from the teacher and you could still talk to the teacher, but the teacher expects that we're really applying this, then you don't need to come to me for everything. It would be like, you know, sir, I forgot. What is the trumpering, the fingering for the F um, on the staff? Or well, how do you do what's an eighth note? What's and he would say, you're here in college and you don't know the elementary things. How could that be? Just like with Yeshua and Nicodemus that you're a teacher in Israel and you don't know these things. It wasn't like, you know, blasting him, but it was a rebuke. Hey, you're at this level and you're coming to me with beginner questions. It would be like, no, Lord, what's repentance? Uh, You know, Yeshua, I don't understand what's repentance. You're, you're coming to me and meaning that you should have an understanding of that where you've learned that lesson through up to this point. And not that you can't bring questions, but it would be, you would be taken aback. Like, well, you're here for greater things that isn't, that's something that should have been settled back before then. And that's the thing with mother, with where we're going, where it talks about moving on to maturity, walking in maturity is you're an adult now. And if we have to go back to childish things again, then there's, you're still living on spiritual milk, not on the meat. So it just, with what we're talking about, we're giving the milk through up to the meat. And it's just for us now that you should know, you know, like the old saying we, we, we say in the world, you should know better that, that, that by now you should know better to, to move on on this. But yeah, with that, I remember those lessons that, and he would rebuke people to say, Hey, you're getting ready for this recital and you don't have this music up to par now that we better talk about you not having a recital. And that really got your butt in gear to move forward in that. So yeah, this is just a, a good lesson.
uh, with 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 Yah's teaching that yeah we're with questions that people have and and there'll be different questions but somebody that should know and don't know then we're going to address those questions well it's interesting because it depends on how you look at should know okay because if we look at should know that and one and again we want to make sure that people understand that the responsibility of your faith is on you, not on the people teaching you, not on it. Anybody who listens to this, it's not on uh, us. It's on them to determine whether they're following something that is true or something that is false. And we want to make sure that people are following the truth of God to the best of our ability. And that's why we share the truth that we do but you're going to have to be accountable to what you accept, what you allow somebody to give you. And the aspect came to mind when you were talking is unfortunately, many people don't have the ability to move away from the elementary teachings because, you know, in elementary school, the kids are expected to learn specific things so that they can move to grade and then that they can get out of elementary school and move to middle school and then move from middle school to high school and then high school to college and college to uh, your, your master's and doctorate or, you know, however far you go with it. But unfortunately, the sad reality is people from a faith perspective in this day and age are not being taught the realities of truth of what the Bible says. And therefore they do not have the ability to graduate from elementary school. And yes, the, the people teaching them are teaching them wrong and falsely, but it's still going to be the student's responsibility that no, I dug into this and I looked at it and you're telling me that the that something is different than what the the Bible says, and I'm not accepting that. If I believe the Bible to be wholly set apart, I believe that it's it has the Word of God in it. Then I'm going to believe what the Bible says over what man says, and on top of that, I'm going to let god be the interpreter so that i get revelation not interpretation because the re revelation is that what is revealed and we want to we want to teach people so that they can understand that when you learn the truth of god the intention is is that you don't remain in a place of elementary school you know, move away from the elementary teachings about repentance. <clears throat> and you can look it up in Hebrews where it talks about it. But we want to move away from the elementary teachings so that we can move on to maturity. And it's, it's a shame because people are believing and accepting what is, what is being taught to them by the quote-unquote scholars of this age when the scholars of this age are reciting stuff that comes from the bible 
but they're not teaching you how to achieve that goal. It's just like the psychologist or the psychiatrist who is trying to teach somebody to not be depressed or not have uh, anxiousness. And if you had somebody that really knew how to do that, they'd stop giving out medication and they'd start teaching them that this is a mental game. This, this is a mental, it takes mental fortitude for you to change your mind and you to be able to control your uh, anxiousness and your uh, worry and your depression and your stress. You have that ability, but they themselves are taking antidepressants or they themselves are uh, dealing with the anxiety instead of fixing it within themselves first so that they know how to help somebody else. And that was the whole concept of Messiah with the, uh, the log in your eye compared to the speck into the person's eye that you're looking into. Why? Because you're trying to fix something that you haven't fixed in yourself. And if you haven't fixed it in yourself, then you don't have the capability to fix it in somebody else. So take care of yourself first and then you have the ability to help somebody else to be able to uh, grow and learn how not to do those things. And again, medication is a, a different perspective, but that's another, uh, again, another aspect of psychology of the mind and we may get into, and not that this doesn't have a, a play in it because people have been convinced that, well, you listen to the people that are that went to college or went to school and they know what they're talking about. And, you know, I'm not saying that sometimes that from worldly perspective of what people teach and what they've learned, I'm not saying that all of them are uh, not teaching right according to whatever it is they're teaching. I'm talking about a faith perspective. And again, that you have to sift through and figure out who the false teacher is, you know, sift through what we're doing and, Weigh it against the Bible. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, then just move on. We're not, if we don't line up with what the Bible says, then it's not the truth of God anyway. And therefore, no need for you to listen to us anymore. And again, we want to reach the people that recognize that there's something wrong, that there's something that is missing. And they want to find that missing piece. Well, you can find that missing piece. You will never find a missing link between apes and people. But you can find the missing link between your faith of what's being taught in the world today. And I'm not saying that the Bible's wrong. I'm not saying that uh, Christ is wrong. I'm not saying that... Uh, Anything that the Bible says about Christ, we're not saying that's wrong. What we're saying is, is that you're being misled and not with intention, not with that person's intention, but they're misleading you because they themselves don't understand, but they teach you stories that sound good and they'll use the Bible to pick and choose what what fills their uh, purpose, and then they move on. And as a follower of God, 
as someone who has set their heart to seek God with all of your heart, all we're doing is pleading with people to verify through the word of God and through conversation with God what you're listening to. If it doesn't line up with the word, then don't listen to it. Because the here's here's what I'm, I'm going to sum it up with that aspect of what I was talking about is that we're not saying that Messiah, that the, the Son of God is not worth anything. We're not saying that it's not, uh, that that's not what you should follow. What we're saying is, is the Jesus that is taught, that is taught, not written of in the Bible, but that is taught through Christianity in this day and age does not line up with the Son of God that the Bible talks about and the Son of God that in this day and age will let you get away with anything and everything when in the reality is, is that no, he's not different than he was when he walked this earth. And this message is not going to be far and widespread from meaning from people's acceptance of it. The Bible makes it clear that the farther time goes on, the more and more people are going to reject the truth. And Messiah, when Messiah speaks in the Bible in Matthew chapter 24, he speaks about believing the lie. And he's not talking about in the world. He's not talking about worldly people that don't care about God, that haven't made any kind of choice. He's talking about people that are claiming a faith in God that are going to believe the lie. Well, if Messiah himself said about believing the lie, then you ought to be figuring out what that lie is that he was talking about so that you won't, be won't believe it. It's just like the mark of the beast. You want to figure out that when that time comes for the mark of the beast, you want to make sure that you're not falling under that. And, you know, we just had this whole aspect with COVID happen. And that's a preempt too, set up by the enemy to just get people to, in fear, to coddle and uh, break to, well, yeah, I'll get the vaccination because, because you're pressured into it. And you need to do this. And how many people just blanketly took that vaccination because in their mind, and they may not even know it, they're doing it to preserve their life. And nobody has that power. You, you don't have the power to preserve your life. The only one who has that power is God to determine if they're going to give you more time or not. I think it was uh, Zedekiah. Was it Zedekiah? Who was the one that had the... Um, uh, he had the issue on his toe and he was going to die. Hezekiah. Hezekiah. Uh, he was going to die and he asked God for more time and God gave him 15 more years. But God gave him that. But the whole point is, is that people were so quick to jump into getting that vaccination and look at the repercussions that are coming now with the fallout from the different uh, side effects that show up later on in life because it wasn't tested like all the other medications uh, were tested. It didn't have the time frame. They just threw it out there. 
and people were taking it, taking it, and taking it, and taking it. And I used it as a preempt to, oh, if it's if it's this easy to do this, then how much easier is it going to be in the time of the mark of the beast when you're going to take that mark to spare your life? Why? Because you're not going to be able to purchase food and you're not going to be able to do that kind of stuff. And in this day and age, we're not all farmers. Matter of fact, you got fewer and fewer, fewer and fewer farmers. And therefore, how are you going to sustain your life? Now, you're not, if you're in faith in God, you're not going to sustain your life. God's going to sustain it as long as you need to be here. And then you'll move on. But uh, Sean, did you have any comments as we're moving on with this? Had this come to mind, we hear the term antichrist being thrown around uh, at times. And even in Revelation talks about when the antichrist and think about that statement with what you said with Messiah and Jesus, that Jesus is the antichrist, meaning not when it's referred to as Jesus as the son of God, but the persona of Jesus is is the opposite of what Messiah does not because when you we're not saying that when you read the word and it says Jesus to no that's the Antichrist what I'm saying that when you read the Bible and it says Jesus that's the son of God what I'm saying is is that how he's portrayed as what he does is the opposite of Yeshua because the son of God is not okay with you continuing to sin once you have faith in them but Jesus is okay with meaning that that persona that see it's not just clarify what I mean it's not the name Jesus that we say Jesus out loud it's the persona given of when because Yeshua himself told me and us that I hate that name I hate that persona because don't claim it's me and then it's the opposite of my my life and my teaching that's the anti Christ, that's what's the opposite of what Yeshua is doing. And what it made me think of is this, and this isn't a profession of absolute truth. It's just a a thought that came to mind. Is it possible that the mark of the beast is not necessarily a physical mark, but what the word, if I remember right, it says that it's either on your forehead or on your right hand. And what made me think of is like, you think about your right hand, like your strength, your conviction and your commitment is fully to this Jesus or this Christianity, whatever I'm in, and I'm not changing my mind. Well, that mark of I'm steadfast and I'm not changing my mind, just like we could say the mark of God is circumcision of the heart. So you not having circumcision of the heart, you're marked anyway. But if what a a great deception is if, well, I'll just wait until he says, put out your hand or my forehead, and then I'll know that, but it's got to be a crafty way for the enemy to bring this out to where people aren't expecting that they're actually taking this mark. Therefore, they're deceived because most people in Christianity would say, well, no, when that day comes, I'm not taking that mark. Well, well, how easy is that? If that's all it is, what craftiness like was going on with COVID and with the false teaching of you're not even going to realize that you've already taken this mark and you don't even see it. Cause I'm just saying, because if not, how could you deceive somebody that the way to deceive would be now, you've already got it and you don't even recognize it. And then I've got you as opposed to, you know, some preaching I've heard where, you know, don't take the mark. And when you see, you know, just don't take it. But are you already marked because you don't 
believe the truth anyway, but you just don't see it. So I just had a thought on the depth of this is that with the enemy's craftiness that I don't see it as a simple, just hold out your hand and and I'm going to put like a little dot on your forehead. It's going to be very hidden and manipulated to where you're not even going to see it. Well, the sad reality is, is that you don't see it because you don't, you don't seek to see it, but it's not going to take because of the craftiness that the enemy has used over time. It's going to get to a time where it's not going to be hard to deceive people because people are being softened even now. You know, that's part of the aspect of technology. What does it do? It softens us because we let the computer do the work. And tell me you remember all the phone numbers that you used to remember when you were younger when you had to. When, you know, if you weren't at home and you didn't have your address book with you, how are you going to call somebody if you need to contact them? Well, I know for me, I, I could recall numbers uh, just by name. If I wanted that phone number, then I'd be able to dial that person. Now, if it was somebody I just met, then I'd probably have to carry it with me for a little bit until I programmed it in. But that's the thing. But in this day and age where the computer does it for you, the phone does it for you, where you don't have to, you just have to look up a name and the phone carries the number. So all that information and what we're doing is we're transferring, we're uh, taking the information that's in our mind and we're taking it out of our mind and putting it into computers. And then when we do that, then when new information comes, well, we just put it into the computer. Why do I have to put it in my mind? Well, why do you think we have such a... Uh, pandemic of mental illness and mental issues and can't remember things. Why can't I remember things? I've been using the computer and the phone as my brain instead of using my brain as the the computer and letting my brain be the one that, well, I'll use the computer in a rare uh, condition where I've got a ton of information but the objective goal is to be able to know it in your mind. And this is uh, huge with faith because you have to be able to do it in your mind to be able to retain the information that we're given by the spirit. You, you have to retain that information. Now you can't necessarily recall it all, but our objective is not to see. And again, I'm not putting people down who write journals and they write all this stuff down, but that's just another aspect of, well, I'll probably forget. So I'll write this down. or I want to make sure I remember this. The key thing is that we want to be careful what we let into our mind, because what we let in, once we let it in, it's very hard to get rid of. And that's proved by the whole uh, concept of cognitive dissonance. And when you spoke about uh, Antichrist, here's, here's a sad reality that people don't realize. If you're following false teachings of Christianity that are not the true tre- teachings of God, and then you're professing that to other people, you're an Antichrist. And even 
in the Bible, it says many antichrists are out there and will be out there. Why? Because you're, a, it's not that you're, your conscious mind is against Christ, but it's what you're professing that you believe based on what you've been taught, not based on what the truth is, and you walk in that, which is not the way of Messiah, which makes you an antichrist. And I don't say this to try to shame people, but rather than, like we've said before, wake up, sleeper. You know, this is a wake-up call because our plea to Christianity is not a plea of hatred and we despise you because of what you believe or what you've gone through. No, our objective goal is wake up because what you don't see is going to put you in eternal torment and that's a fact. And so please, please evaluate your faith and find that true faith in God. And when you do, you will part from Christianity. I'm not saying it has to be a hateful hatred thing. No, it's a, what you despise is not Christianity. It's the teachings of Christianity. It's just like when God talks about divorce in the Bible and God says, I hate divorce. And then he goes on to say, and I hate the man's covering himself with wicked deeds. Okay. He didn't say he hated the man. It's the deed he covers himself with that he hates. And this is the same concept with Christianity. It's not the Christian that we hate. It's not the Christian that we despise. It's the deeds that don't line up with the truth of God. It's the professions of having faith in God and still sinning. And that's not the way the the word of God uh, lays it out. And therefore, you, without you realizing it, are an antichrist because anti is the opposite of. And if you're not in agreement with Messiah, the true Messiah, the son of God, then you're against him. You know, the word of God says, if you're not for us, you're against us. And if you're against us, you're anti. So, you don't have to have a conscious, yeah, I don't like Christ. I'm not going to, and I'm going to do everything I can to deceive people. Well, that would be one form of antichrist. But just somebody as a false follower who doesn't recognize that they've been deceived, then you're living what, what the Christian church says, not living what God says. And you are an antichrist. And if you are an antichrist, you cannot be in the kingdom of God. When Messiah himself said, no sinner will enter the kingdom of God. And you profess that you sin, but you're going to be in the kingdom of God. You are an antichrist because you're speaking against what he spoke. And that puts you in opposition to him. And so our plea with Christianity is not from a hatred perspective, but it's from a a true heart of look, we've been there, we've walked through that, and I promise you that there's a whole lot more to it and you need to find it if you're going to have salvation. And that, that's this is where people who haven't walked where we've walked 
they can't understand what we understand. And again, this is not a boastful thing. It's just because we have the spirit of God in us that gave us the ability to understand what we understand. But if you haven't walked where I've walked, you can't understand it. But I understand the Christian walk because I walked in it. I understand the worldly walk because I walked in it before I walked in the Christian walk. And we go back to the if Christianity in the end is right, then, well, no harm, no foul for you and me because we've done all the except Jesus as Lord and Savior. Uh, you know, going through all those uh, rituals that they have. So according to what you, what you say anyway, I'm safe and I'm okay. But what we're saying is that with what we're saying is right, then you are not safe, but we are. And again, this is just a plea to people who really want to know the truth. Because this if people don't want to know the truth, this plea is not going to do any good for them. Because they don't want to know the truth anyway, and therefore they're not going to listen. And again, one of the biggest problems that we have in this world is actually listening to somebody rather than waiting to respond. Because if you would listen to people twice as much as you talk to them, then you would recognize and understand a whole lot more about that person's life. We're talking about something that happened to them when they were a child and and your mind just kind of drifts and you you don't understand that that has an effect on how they're living today and what do we do with it? You know, well, you don't recognize it, so if you don't recognize it, you can't do anything about it. So if somebody is happily trucking along in their Christian faith and they don't want to have anything else, then continue in it. It's not going to be beneficial for you in the end, but I'm not I'm not here to try to take away your choice of what you follow and what you don't follow. Uh, we're here to just speak the truth of God and let the truth of God stand on its own. And we can't say this enough, but we've said it a lot, that this is not about you listening to us and just doing and believing what we say. This is first, make sure what we're saying lines up with the truth of God. And then don't do what we say, do what the Bible says. This, again, this the whole purpose of this podcast is to, Give information for people who want to know the truth of God, whether they've had a seeking of God in the past in their life, whether they've had any kind of religious background or not. People are going to come to a point where they decide that they want to know the truth about God. That's what this is for. And we're just putting the truth out there so that people can hear it. And when they hear it, it's up to them of what they do with it to whether they'll be saved or not. Because you and I, I don't care who listens to the podcast and how they respond to it. And if they find that true faith in God, we didn't do, we didn't save them. 
we we didn't the only thing we did was fulfill our responsibility as a believer in God to let the light shine to share the truth we'll we'll answer for the truth that we share but we want people to have this great salvation that is coming when the white throne judgment happens that this is why we put the truth out there we're not putting it out there to demand that you do this or you do that or no if correction needs to be made we'll we'll make a correction but it's not for your detriment it's truly what's best for you and the kingdom of god and so we just want people to know that you can be a false prophet. Uh, a lot of times people do that. They, you know, they have this burst of energy with a, uh, accept Jesus as Lord and Savior because they had this big spiritual high and they made a decision in the midst of that spiritual high. And now they think that they have to run around and shove it in everybody's face and shove it down their throat. And you got to, well, we don't do that. We, we live our lives. And then as somebody comes up with a question or a, 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 in conversation, uh, it leads towards a deep, deeper spiritual talk. And then you talk with them until you see either they're accepting or they're uh, engaging or they disengage because they don't want to hear it when they disengage. Okay. Well, I'm just going to move on because I, it's not for me to go to anybody and everybody and throw it down their throat. What did Messiah do? Messiah didn't go to the people. The people came to him. And so if you come to me, I will talk to you about it. I will. I don't care uh, what it is. I'll be more than happy to talk about it as long as you're willing to listen, to listen in order to get the truth. I have this thought in regards to this. The elementary teachings are, we just talked about this recently, it's the foundation, it's the fundamentals. The elements, like elementary elements. And just thinking about this from where we came from, we didn't even have elementary teachings. Because the elementary teachings that are mentioned in Hebrews, part of it is, it made me think of this with Liliana, how would it be if you took her to a high school math class and she's sitting in there and, man, why aren't you understanding this? Well, because it's, you have to have a level of maturity, you have to have a spiritual understanding to be able to get it. And even if you took her and put her in kindergarten, and she's just there, she's not going to get it because she's not at a place to be able to receive it, to have understanding of it. And that's where it is, is that we give a teaching out there. We talk about the aspect of sin, for example, and people will just fight against that or say, well, how could this be or how? And it's just, you must have the spirit of Yah in order to understand these things. And if you don't, then you're going to struggle with it. It's not going to make sense it's going to be veiled and you have to have the veil lifted in order to see it's just like anything in, in the word. It says this too, if you don't understand the spirit will make clear. doesn't mean that mother's just going to give it all to you and you have to do nothing. It means that as you search and seek for it, 
she'll bring clarity to it. What about this? Oh, okay. I didn't recognize that. Thank you. I'll, I'll move on with that. And these conversations that you're going to be getting into this conversation you had with the person that it's having a compassion for somebody that really doesn't understand that if it's somebody that really wants to understand and they're open to it, then you, you give it to them. Now somebody's against it, rejects it. Okay, well, we'll just move on to something else. You're not willing to receive it because this things that we're able to understand spiritually, people are going to be blind to unless there's a seeking with all their heart where Yah will open the veil to where the person can see because other than that, if somebody looks at the Bible, we can point out Hebrews or first John, things like that. But to them, there's a veil that covers it. So even though you're reading the words, you're not getting the understanding of it because it's veiled that you've got to turn to, to Yah. And we have the different veils that you have to turn to Yah for Yah to say, Hey, look at this. This is what this is talking about. Because other than that, it's going to be veiled because the word says about the spiritual blind or the spiritually deaf, you may be able to hear perfectly well physically. You may be able to see perfectly well uh, with your eyes, but then spiritually you're blind that it's right in front of you, but you don't see it. It'd just be, if you went in front of a blind person, just moved your hand, they could, they could see through the motion. They could feel something's moving, but visually they're not going to be able to physically see your hand. Well, that's the thing because there's a covering. They're not able to see it. And with this, that seeking with all your heart starts the process of taking back the veils so that once enlightened, as it mentions in Hebrews, just like in this room, there's a light on, you can see. And I couldn't see that before. Well, because you have to be enlightened to be able to understand the deeper truths of God. And that's what we're doing is when people have questions, if you really want to know, we'll give you a good answer. And if we don't have a good answer, then we'll say, I don't know the answer to that. I'll look into it. You know, we're not here just to give answers. We're here to give a good answer for the faith that we have. So interesting to see the, uh, the conversation that you had with this person and, and where y'all take this. Yeah, because again, it's, you know, the reason for bringing this topic up, uh, was again, another Facebook post that, uh, hidden, we posted on hidden treasures revealed. And then I, um, I shared that on my Facebook page and then having, um, some responses come back. And it's interesting because, uh, this conversation from this, um, I did not receive or take as confrontational rather than informational from uh, all different sides. I know I wasn't confrontational. Um, it was just a matter of uh, just putting the truth down. And I know sometimes the truth can sound and it can even be confrontational if somebody doesn't want to accept it. But I didn't, um, I didn't get a feel from this response or this back and forth that I did from the one that my cousin responded back because he was fighting against really fighting against what was being said, even to the point of saying, well, you sin, you just don't admit it. Well, you can't tell me that. You don't live my life. You don't know what my life is. You can't profess me to sin. And he was the one that said he sinned. 
when he was when the question was asked to him. I didn't go to him. I didn't approach him. I didn't say, "I, sir, you you're sinning in your life." And what you no, he responded to a post that I put on. So he came to me, and when he came to me, well, then I'm going to give you what the truth is because you came to me. I didn't look him up. I didn't call him on the phone and bring this to him. He came to me, and that's what I'm talking about with the gospel message. When you're going to share with people, share with people who want to listen and or people who come to you. Don't just go shoving it down anybody's throat because they if they don't want it, they don't want it. And with that first conversation, we I ended it because he didn't want to see it. So in order to get the understanding, and this was the response, there's two responses um, from comments that, that came in this. And um, one was from a brother of mine and the other was from a friend of mine. And again, none of it, I don't see any of it that it was confrontational rather than just uh, informational or question, you know, question and answer type perspective. Um, but in order to, before I read those comments, uh, I want to read the post in order that we get the, the concept and understanding. And the key factor in this is believe what the Bible says. Stop believing what people are telling you and interpreting it and telling you that, no, the Bible says it, believe it, because it wouldn't say it if it wasn't possible. If it wasn't possible, then God would have had people word it differently so that you would understand that, well, this isn't possible, but do this. But when it says you can do specific things, then do them. So this side post from hidden treasures revealed. Uh, first it's a statement made and then, uh, one chapter of the Bible placed in for that statement. If you claim to have faith in God and claim his salvation, you must not sin. These words from the Bible prove to be holy, set apart, having hope in salvation, you must not sin. And if you know that you sin, you know that you don't have faith in the one true God. Wake up, sleeper, stop believing the lie of the devil, and find a clear conscience in regards to sin. When you are guilty of sin, you have fear, and that fear has to do with punishment. If you find yourself in this predicament, then seek God with all of your heart and find peace and rest in his arms. And uh, it would be wouldn't be fitting if I didn't read the chapter uh, of the Bible because that's the most important part of this whole uh, context and the whole podcast within itself. So 1 John chapter 3, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. We should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All 
who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. And from that scripture right there, just that one alone makes it perfectly clear if you actually listen to it and you're taking it in, it can't be made any more clear than what that says. So when you read the Bible or you listen to an audio version of the Bible, really listen. And remember, listening is not just hearing. Listening is you evaluating and rolling over uh, the concepts of, in your mind and really figuring out how does this line up with faith and how does this line up with what I've been taught and is this what I've been taught? Is this first chap this uh, third chapter of First John? Is this what's being taught to people? And if not, I'm not going to believe the people teaching me. I'm going to believe what the Bible says. Now, if you're teaching this, what the Bible says then, okay, now I'm going to listen to you, but be be for sure and understand that I'm going to verify and clarify with the Bible and the truth of God in order to make sure that what you're saying is right and appropriate in uh, what we're talking about. And Sean, before I get into the comments, do you have any thoughts? Of, and I'm sure you do. <laughs> <coughs> Well, when the word of God is read and just cannot help with just different scriptures popping up just to put in line the the truth of God always lines up. And I had this, you had mentioned the great white throne judgment and Messiah gave this, he was talking to his disciples and he says, many will be in front of me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name and do all these miraculous signs in, in your name? And he says, I will tell them plainly, get away from me, for I never knew you, you who practiced lawlessness. And in that 
that writing of mother through John, the, the person that continues to sin has neither seen him or known him. So he would say to them, I never knew you because sin is lawlessness. But the key is, he says, you practiced lawlessness. Practiced means it, it's that was you. You didn't get away from sin. You died in that state of sin. You practiced lawlessness in your life. Therefore, you didn't know me because if you knew me, you would get away from sin. And it says that the work of Messiah was to destroy the work of the devil. And it says those who sin are of the devil. So the work of the devil is to keep people in sin. The work of Messiah is to destroy the work of the devil, get people away from sin. So this just beautifully lines up with the truth of God that what mother is saying is, is pleading through John to the believer because he's writing to the church to say, and, and the other thing is with this chapters one and two, and we're not omitting it, but with this, you've got to read the whole letter because John leads up to this point of saying, because of what I've given you in the first two chapters, this is bringing in the children of God. And then he talks about what true love is, is how can you really love God if you continue to sin? Well, that's, that's not the, the right way to do it. But, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into further on this, but those are thoughts that came just ringed out that it just correlates. M- Messiah tells them plainly, you practice lawlessness. It doesn't mean that you never sinned. It means that you continue to practice that because practice it means you do it over and over again. It's your way of life. It's your, your very being. So repent, turn away from sin, go on the journey to ultimately be purified. Because when you mention being pure, you purify water, you take out all the impurities, you, you get all the things that are not beneficial out of it so you can drink the clean water. So be clean just as he is clean, get away from sin, have sin removed from your heart and put into the body of flesh. Cause when the body of flesh leave, uh, perishes that the sin goes with it. So you can then enter the kingdom of heaven. So I'm just, yeah, this just lines up with the revelation of this teaching that we've been given by Yah, and it lines up with the word of God beautifully. Yeah. So I'll go into the comments and the way I'm going to uh, read these is because I want to make sure when you're when you have comments coming in in like from this aspect of Facebook that sometimes by the time you respond another question has come in and it kind of gets confusing as to well who who did you answer on that uh, who were you answering in that. Um, because this conversation was carried out between uh, three people, um, I'm going to I'm going to read it in the order of which it was intended, not necessarily the order of what the post is, because it's addressing uh, each one and and their concern or their question um, in the midst of it. Um, so the first one was uh, my brother, and the response or the comment you're not suggesting that there are people free from sin are you you mean that our goal as christians is to do our best to avoid sin although we will not be successful and when we do sin 
to confess it to the Father? Okay, and which is a good question. I, you know, I don't, of course, again, any question is a good question, but, um, and my response was, not me saying that, the word of God saying that people who are in true faith will be completely free from sin. Until someone experiences freedom from sin, they can't understand. Okay, and that's, uh, then we pertain to the, after the first part, after your first question, the rest, that is what Christianity teaches and believes to be true, but it does not line up with the Bible. It's made plain in First John chapter 3, but is ignored by many who claim faith. We follow Messiah and don't claim any tie to Christianity because of the divisions and false teaching. Being without sin is what is meant when the word says, when the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. I wish you well in a faith journey as you seek God with all of your heart and believe that the Bible says, and believe what the Bible says, and not man. Um, then his response, so are you saying that you are free from sin? And then my response to that was, yes, absolutely. This is achieved through circumcision of the heart, the scripture that speaks, uh, the scripture speaks about. God tells the people in the Old Testament to circumcise your hearts, which is doing, uh, doing it in your mind. This is where you walk in doing the best you can to avoid sin and confess, confess them to God with sorrow. But there is a circumcision of the heart. There is a circumcision of the heart that is done by man, uh, or not by man, but by the hands of the Spirit. This brings the removal of the sinful nature from your heart. Uh, good places to look for this are in Colossians chapter 2 and 3, and I uh, put in there especially verses uh, 8 through 10, and then Romans chapter 2, 28 through 29. And again, like you said, Sean, going back to the reading the um, scriptures, I... Uh, Um, it's important to read around, not just, you know, read the whole book of First John and get the context of what's being told in the midst of it. And uh, I'll, I'll pause there for a minute before I go into the comment that the uh, friend of mine made. Um, and this was a guy that I, uh, when we moved to Northern Virginia, that um, I met him and we had been friends for a long time and um still keep in contact not as much not as much as we used to but we still uh, keep contact but anyway do you have any thoughts as that well the one um where he said that we confess the sins to the father well first john chapter one that that's 
think it might be verse eight or nine where that is just just plucked out of the air and because it says if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness but what what john is writing is is he's writing to the church there's different places where people are in the his church gathering the the people he was shepherding that if anybody does sin we have an advocate with the father yeshua the righteous and but then he goes on to if but the goal is like you had read that the one that is in him well in him is no sin the one that that continues in him must not sin so he's he's addressing different areas or some that have circumcision of the heart where he's saying you know no you cannot continue to sin because you've been born of god but then you know if you still sin if you're meaning that if you're walking in repentance towards god you still have sin in your life but you confess it and you're cleansed that your 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 sins will be forgiven but that's only meant for a time so what he's saying is he's not saying that he's not giving a license to the believer to sin he's saying no if you if you sin if you're walking in repentance which is sin that does not lead to death because he gets into that at the end of the chapter because there is sin that leads to death and we're not talking about that but the sin that's committed is if you confess that and confess it means you confess it but you you are steadfast in your mind that you're getting set apart from it and repentance you're getting away from sin you've turned away from sin so therefore abba will forgive you of that sin but then what he's saying in the rest of it is the ultimate cleansing of all unrighteousness is the full cleansing which is that circumcision of the heart so your journey of cleansing starts at repentance and then continues through so what happens is and and we went through this in the past that you will find a scripture that will line up with the lifestyle that you have and say well see here it is all you have to do is confess it because jesus died on the cross so his blood covers all so you just confess your sin every time so there's the scripture where it says it but unfortunately that scripture is misunderstood because you have to read before and after that john is not absolutely not telling believers that you can continue to sin he's saying no if you do because you're still on the journey to circumcision of the heart you have an advocate your advocate is Yeshua, but he's not your license <laughs> to sin. He's the advocate, meaning he's the one that was holy. His holiness, because of his work, made a path, a way for us to walk through to get to the kingdom. But it is absolutely not a license to sin, but it's used as a an excuse. And we know that because as you read the letter, John is very clearly saying no you cannot continue to sin and then he talks about how you love god and how can you love the father and the son and the mother if you're being disobedient to them you cannot and it's just a journey but those are my thoughts it's just a it's a and we we've we were walking in that and that's why we've come out of it so we can say first john that first chapter is not telling you it's okay to continue to sin it's just saying if you are in a place of repentance towards God, there is forgiveness, but you are not to stay there. So that's. And just as you were talking, I had a, uh, this is kind of maybe just a, a slight abstract perspective of this very same thing that Paul speaks about in Romans. And again, 
reading the whole book, Paul's presenting the gospel message to the Romans from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. It's not just bits and pieces here and there, and that's why it's important for you to read the whole thing, to follow the context of what he's saying all the way through in order to understand. And um, Paul also uh, spoke about not sinning, but uh, this aspect being a little bit abstract, but I think you'll see in the midst of it uh, the same concept is when Paul speaks about the Gentiles, the Gentiles who do not have the law, when the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature the things required by the law, they become a law unto themselves. Well, he's, he's saying that once you have that faith, that true faith in Messiah, that you're not under the written code, that but you are upholding the law of God, even though it wasn't given to you, and therefore it becomes a law unto yourself, that your words that condemned you in the past now are even defending you. And so that's the, the concept in it, but that was the scripture that came to mind because the Gentiles that do not have the law do by nature the things required by the law. Well, how can you do the things required by the law? Well, because you're walking in faith in God and God says, do this. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be obedient to God. So then I'll go into the uh, second comment, the friend of mine that um, sent this. And again, it's, it's, it's just a beautiful, in other words, both, like I said, both, I don't feel any kind of animosity or any kind of uh, hostility in either one of the the aspects of the comments. Um, this one is for my clarification. So will that person never have sinned or may they have sinned in the past, but are no longer committing sins since they are in faith now and are those sins forgiven? He just put, thanks for taking questions and hope, uh, all is well with you and your family then my response to him uh, for that aspect of clarification, uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So all except for Messiah have sinned. He came to be an example so that we would follow in his steps. He came in the flesh to be like us in every way so that when we walk as he did in full obedience to God, we will be free of sin. Forgiveness of sins is a part of the faith journey uh, when there is full agreement with God, whether you understand or not. This is repentance, not sorrow. Sorrow is what leads one to turn to God, no matter how it affects them. Repentance is not salvation. From the word of God, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. Removal of sin comes in circumcision of the heart. There's a journey that must be walked uh, that starts in the Old Testament with seeking God as a terrorist, fearing God, then repenting to him, 
Then he draws you to Messiah. Go through the same process with Messiah to make him Lord. Then he brings you to the Spirit. Uh, and, and then I said, we go back a long way. I don't mind questions because it challenges me to be able to give a good answer for what I believe. I will, uh, I will field any question and only answer if I understand the truth. And if I do not know, I will tell you. And so um, the reality is like from his question, did, so are you saying that person never sinned? No, no. The only person that uh, had that ability was Messiah after his age of accountability that he chose full obedience to uh, the father, Abba. And because of that, he had no sin. And when you walk in the absolution of obedience to God, then you have no sin just like him. And this is why it's important to pay attention to the places in the Bible that say, uh, in him there is no sin. Well, why? Because you're in him. This is why it says those who claim to be in him must walk as he did. Why? Because he knew that you needed to be shown the way of how to do it. Messiah is the way. The way is his life. Live his life even to the point where you must crucify yourself with Christ. And for explanation, this is not you physically uh, impaling yourself on a, on a stake uh, or putting yourself on a cross. This is your spiritual crucifixion, which is you in your mind are putting to death you in your heart. You're putting to death the old you, which is based in uh, selfishness, that, no, I'm putting myself aside for the sake of God because that is what's best. When you put yourself to death, then you're tested in that, and once you're tested in it and you prove that that's the truth, then mother will come and do the removal of the sinful nature. And again, we've talked about this before, that the sinful nature is taken away from your heart because your heart is your lower conscience, and it's taken out of your heart, and it's put on your body of flesh. And we know that because God spoke to Paul about it, that, no, you, you will have these things that come up, but it's there to remind you that it's by grace you're saved, not of works. But that which you did wasn't a line of disobedience, and therefore it's not sin. And so, and it was interesting because his words, um, you know, the way he worded it with the second part, you know, after he said, does that mean anybody didn't sin? No, he hit it right on the head with the second part, which was, yes, those who have true faith in God will not sin. And the way you know you won't sin won't be somebody else telling you. 
you don't sin. It will be you recognizing that I don't have a guilty conscience about it. I don't have guilty knowledge that what I've done is sin, and therefore it's going away. Why? Because you have a clear conscience. And remember, the blood of bulls and goats were only a matter of uh, the ceremony, and they never could take away the sins. They could never cleanse the conscience of the worshiper. But, and I believe you said it in one one of the recent podcasts uh, here about the sacrifices, that the sacrificial system never went away. What you sacrifice changed. You changed from no longer sacrificing the blood of bulls and goats to cover you, but you sacrifice your very own life just like Messiah did for us you do for God. And you do it because it's the right thing to do, that I'm I'm putting to death my old self, my selfishness. And when I put to death the old, I put it to death. And there's an aspect of peace, shalom, that in the Hebrew, it means to destroy the house attached to chaos or the uh, destroy the authority. How's that? Um, destroy the authority attached to chaos, right. which it, with what you said, you do destroy the house, which is your old, your old self. So both and correct in both ways. Right. And when you destroy a house, you destroy a house. It would be completely get rid of it and rebuild a new house. And this even means that, you get away from the foundation. And we couldn't do what we're doing now and understand what we understand now if we didn't rip out the foundation of Christianity because it's got a strong foothold on many people, and it did on us. And we've been doing this 13 years, and there are still aspects within our lower conscience that we're digging up of remnants of Christianity, but as we dig them up, we throw them in the trash. Because now, if it was a good piece of the truth of God for building, then we'll use it. But you have to completely destroy the house. You have to completely destroy who you are and become a different person. That That's the, the beauty of the gospel message. Look at, at in Peter between the time that he denied knowing Messiah in fear for his life to Pentecost. Look, look at the complete change in Peter, but remember those some of those ways linger back and that draws into when Paul had to go back to him because, hey, you, you, this is from the old ways of Judaism uh, you need to pay attention to that because if you keep doing that, you're going to walk away from faith in God. That's not, you know, because you're, you're, you're doing an under the law perspective. So be careful with what you're doing. And it's just, uh, just interesting to see it from that perspective, uh, that is laid out within the Bible and what the Bible says. 
Oh, something that came to mind wanted to interject is in regards to the old and the new Testament, which like you could look at it as the old covenant, the new covenant that the tabernacle what goes on in it so beautifully explains Messiah's work because Messiah is the substance of the tabernacle. And what came to mind in this was with, with what you said, the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sins. But without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So what it's doing is it's given us a picture of the sacrificial system remains. Messiah is giving us the reality, which is you must sacrifice yourself because think about how blood was sprinkled on all the aspects of the tabernacle for cleansing. Well, the blood of Messiah, which is the blood of the father being that pure blood was sprinkled on all the parts of the tabernacle so that the heavenly tabernacle could be cleansed. So what it's speaking to me is, is Messiah had to do his work first so that the heavenly tabernacle could be cleansed so that when we walk as he did, we're able to enter into the kingdom of heaven because he's gone in first with blood that is greater than bulls and goats because, and we had talked about this on a rock walk recently with the tabernacle, the altar of incense, the actual incense and the different parts. And when I say this, I'll explain none of that matters. Meaning the substance of it was always about obedience to God. So the mixture of the incense and the way they built things, what was pleasing to God was, is Moses build this exactly the way to the specific guidelines that I'm giving you build it just like that. It was the obedience to God that made all of that work. And it continues with Messiah. So Messiah is transferring us to a greater covenant, which is an everlasting eternal covenant and the new covenant. You cannot walk in the new covenant. If you have sin in your life still, and people say, well, no, the new covenant, that's about Jesus. No. The new covenant was in the blood of Messiah in his own words. This is the new covenant in my blood, putting this into to being. The new covenant is about you walk in obedience to God, and that is without sin. So you cannot be in the new covenant until you have circumcision of the heart, because that's the greater covenant, which without sin, you have an eternal covenant with God because you obey God, you walk in their ways, there is no sin, there's nothing other than you walking away from it that will break that covenant because nothing's going to break it. You walk in full agreement with God, there's no sin. But what happens is, is people assume, well, Jesus came in, so the new covenant is around. Yeah, the new covenant is here. But are you walking in the new covenant? Are you still in the old? Are you still under the law? Because you must walk under the law first in order to have sin removed to where you can walk in grace because you're not under law but under grace. So now where we are, we walk in grace, which is there is no condemnation. It's just, do you see this? Oh, okay. Well, I'll work on that. Well, there's, there's grace. There's no condemnation. So you walk in freedom to be able to make uh, corrections. And just thinking about this, that uh, I think it was in John that, you know, put off all malice and anger and get away from the old man and put on the new. And it's saying that you've got all this stuff in your lower conscience, get rid of all the anger and the malice and the you know, get away from that, you know, walk in the new man, which is in Messiah and walk in these ways. So I was just speaking to me about the journey 
is it's a journey away from sin. The Old Testament has it. You leave Egypt. Egypt is a picture of the life of sin. All right. So Yah brings them out. All right. He separates them from there. Now I'm going to show you the path to be completely set apart from Egypt to get away from sin, where Egypt will be taken out of your heart to where you still have aspects of Egypt in your lower conscience. And that's why you need to get that out because Yah takes you out of Egypt, but then you've got to get the Egypt out of your lower conscience once that's taken away. So Yah has given you a physical picture of leave the aspect of sin. You go into the desert and I'm, and I will take you to the promised land. The, the promised land is the kingdom of heaven. And I'm giving you a, a physical picture so that you can understand the spiritual leaving of sin. So Yah is given a picture of this Messiah coming is, hey, I'm the fulfillment of this. I'm the one that has come to save you from your sins. So do what I do. Walk as I did so that you can be like me. You can be without sin, that you can be holy and set apart. Because the ultimate set apart from God is having sin. So to be completely set apart, you have to get away from sin in order, and we talked about this on the most recent podcast, that without holiness, you want God. So if you don't get away from sin, then you can't be holy as they're holy. And therefore you can't enter the kingdom of God because the kingdom of heaven is about holiness and you can't be here. And so find your way and going back to the the text or the Facebook that yes, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's true. Other than Messiah, all have sinned. But what the word says is that the one that continues to sin has neither seen him or known him. So it's not saying that you, to answer the, the gentleman you're talking about, it's not, we're not saying that we haven't sinned because we would make God a liar. And John says that, but what we're saying is now that we've repented towards God, we've turned from sin. Like Paul said, why would you go back to what you just left? You know, it's like a dog returning to its vomit, you know, or a pig wallowing in the mire that once you've gotten away from it, don't practice sin anymore. Practice righteousness, holiness, get away from all these things. And as you spoke about Messiah and what he did, this thought came to mind that is important for people to understand if we're going to walk as he did. Okay. He walked through the Old Testament. Okay, he was living his life in the Old Testament. There was a transformation that took place that Messiah was living according to the law of God as he was growing up, up to the point that he was baptized, which ushered in his ministry which then his ministry was not the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. And that's why he was teaching from the perspective of the spirit of the law. And when the uh, Pharisees tried to uh, approach him about his disciples and them not washing their hands or uh, the issues of uh, healing on the Sabbath, and he said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath means I, I, I know what I'm doing, but what he was doing was he was displaying the spiritual uh, understanding of what the, the physical law was saying. But prior to 
his baptism by John, he was living in accordance to the law. Even afterwards, <coughs> was he not carrying out the feasts that the Old Testament says to carry out? I mean, that's the whole aspect of the Last Supper was just another, it was the last time that he was going to celebrate the Passover, but he celebrated the Passover, which is an Old Testament perspective <coughs> and an Old Testament understanding. And so he walked through the Old Testament showing us that you have to walk through the Old Testament first. And the whole purpose of you work, walking through the Old Testament is not that you're going to understand everything and how it ties to his life. The purpose of people walking through the Old Testament is for you to recognize and understand the depth of your sin standing before a most holy God, which should be a terror to you. And when it is a terror to you, that's when you have the opportunity to have the sorrow for the way you've acted and the things you've done, and then for you to repent to God, and then you get the sins as you walk on that journey to the point where you don't have any sin. And so the forgiveness of sins is an important part that people need to understand. Yes, you have to get to a place where you have the forgiveness of sins. But if you've gone straight to Messiah and you haven't gone through the Old Testament first and the fear of God and you haven't gone through Abba first, then you can't have it. You're not going to have it because Again, we've said this before that Abba is working a pre-arranged marriage between those, the church and Messiah, those who have true faith in him and Messiah himself. That's what God's working, and God is the one who's choosing whether you get to come to the Son or not, and your attitude will determine that. If you don't break before the terror of God, then you're not fit for connection to his son. He's not going to draw you to the son. And so, and there is a where a place where people might get confused. Well, doesn't it say that nobody can come to the father except through Messiah? He said that. And so we have to understand the balance in it is that nobody can come into the family of Abba except through Messiah. But we also have to have, and we've made this statement before, that we're, where Messiah said, nobody comes to me except drawn by the Father. Okay, well, how do you get drawn to Messiah by the Fathers? By you going through the Old Testament, you doing, you realizing that that's who you are, uh, all the, the people that God turned against and destroyed, and you recognize that you deserve to be destroyed, and then you break in the midst of it, and then when you break, it's a it's a brokenness that brings you to fear God, to have that absolute fear of God in the midst of it. And so when you have that fear of God, then, and only then,
can you then move on to Messiah? And so it's just really important that under, people understand that walk as he did, which means that you have to walk through the Old Testament to the point that you, the fear, that you recognize that any fear you have goes to the fear of God. And that fear of God will lead you to repentance because if you feel sorry for what you've done, that godly sorrow brings your turn, your repentance. No, I agree with you 100%. Okay, that starts the aspect of forgiveness of sins. But if you haven't gone to the Father, you have no forgiveness for your sin. And people don't know that because they've been told that, well, Jesus came, he took away all my sin, and and so I'm good. Everything's good. And that's what we're talking about with the teachings that are false, is that they tell you these things that aren't true. And why? Because they themselves don't know how to get to a place of no sin. It shouldn't be surprising that we can confess that we don't have sin. Now, we're not boasting about it. This is not a boast of ours because without the work of Messiah and the example for us to follow, we could not, we absolutely could not do what's necessary to not have sin. But because we followed his steps, then we have that ability. And because we have that ability, if you listen, if you apply what we're saying and only apply it after you verify it with the word of God, then you become a friend of the terror, which is God. And when you're a friend of God, you have nothing to fear. And here's the thing. People might say, well, well, you know, why well, have faith in God? So I, uh, I don't have to fear God. What people don't realize is that that fear is built into you anyway. And you have other things in your life that you fear. Be it a snake, a spider, or, you know, it could be anything. Uh, but people have fear of a car crash or, you know, what happens if I die? Or, you know, it doesn't matter. There's There's tons of things that you can do in fear. But what they don't realize is that fear is coming because of the terror of God. You're putting it to a snake or an animal or an insect or whatever it is, but you don't understand that all fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made right before God, and therefore they will have punishment, and they know it because of their fear. So if you fear anything, anything at all, even another man or a gun or whatever it is, that fear is there because you know you deserve punishment. Deal with that fear. Well, it was like we... um think it was in that post that says when the son has set you free well what are you being set free from and would somebody say well i don't know you know if, if you don't understand it then how do you know what you've been set free from well 
I accepted him as Lord and Savior, so I've been set free. No, because it says when the Son sets you free, you are free indeed, meaning that it's it's an absolute thing unless you decide to go back to the slavery again if you want to sin. And I had this thought as you were speaking, just going back to the Old Testament, look at the picture that Yah gave the Israelites, that what was the the aspect to where the angel of death would pass over them was the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and made me think of when you walk as he did, then you crucify yourself with him, your blood is shed. And because of Messiah doing his work, the blood is on the doorpost so that now the angel of death will pass over. So now when you, in order to enter the kingdom of God, death has to pass over you. So when you pass over, that you're not going to be able to transfer into the kingdom of God if there's still sin there. And because nobody that has sin in their heart is going to enter the kingdom of God. And that's made clear. No thief, no idolater, fornicator, murderer has any part in the kingdom of God. And what's that saying is it's not saying that you haven't done those things in the past. It's saying those that practice these things. And that's the thing. You're either practicing godliness or you're practicing sin the the and that's the thing that's the point another point of repentance is repent is a turn which is a complete 360 degree turn to god and walking in yah's direction well walking in yah's direction means that you've left the life of sin so it's a journey of leaving the life of sin repentance is the first part and because yah sees that you're fully committed to them that you're walking away from sin. So therefore, even though sin is still in your heart, you've circumcised your heart that you're against sin and you hate it and you're getting away from it. So therefore, Yah has mercy. And okay, well, I'll forgive you of your sins because you, you've shown a commitment that in your mind that you're done with sin. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's pleasing to me. So I'll forgive your sins. But once I see that, now I'm bringing you to my son because my son has come to save you from your sins. So he's the example. Walk as he did. He gave his life. You give your life so that he removed sin. The nature was removed from him. Circumcision of the heart is able to come in mother. Now you can walk as he did. You must. And then you walk the, the path as he did. And then you continue in it. So it, it's laid out step by step. But unfortunately, because of the teaching that's out there, there's no understanding of this concept. So what goes on is mankind teaches what they what they understand, which is you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you're saved. And when you sin, you just ask for forgiveness, and you continue to sin, and you ask for forgiveness. And that one passage in First John is used as a as a license to sin, instead of it being a an understanding of know that as part of the journey, you have forgiveness of sins for a time. But just like with John, you know, I baptize you with water for repentance, but there's one coming greater than me that will baptize you with spirit and fire. So this continues. This is just a step in the journey. But even Messiah in his own word says that this full immersion, this one baptism must be done in order to fulfill all righteousness. So you must be baptized in order you must be spiritually baptized in order to enter the kingdom of God, because that's a showing you a ceremonial thing in the spiritual that you have the full cleansing. But in order for you to be baptized fully, you have to have circumcision of the heart. So the, the question given is an excellent question. 
and one that people should ponder that, well, the word of God says that in him is no sin. Well, I said that I'm in Christ. Well, why am I still sinning? What do I do to get away from it? And that's the thing. The word of God tells you how to get away from it. And like you had said, this isn't just listen to what we say. We are speaking the truth of God. This is, we've been given revelation and we have understanding of this, but the word of God, as it was spoken, gives you what you need in order to find this, in order how to get away from sin, the whole picture is all the way through. So those that seek with all their heart, you'll find it just as us and others have found it as well. So just an encouragement that the ultimate truth of this is that you can and must walk as the son of God, Yeshua did, and you are capable of doing it. You are capable of living a life without sin because of what you have done and because of Messiah laying the foundation, because he's the foundation, he's the cornerstone of this. He's laid the foundation so that we can be holy as he is holy. But as we talked about recently, it's up to us to be holy. That yes, the ultimate goal is to partake in the holiness of God, but in order to do that, we must partake in the things of God in order to be holy just as Yah is holy. And anyone who continues to sin will not see the glory of God. There's so many different things in different places that, again, we could we could hit this over and over again and mm-hmm. not cover everything because, again, even what we're presenting and we're bringing out is just a scratch on the surface and it's interesting because the word of god is what drove me to find something different than christianity it wasn't somebody else telling me but it was my looking at the word of god knowing that the word of god is true knowing that the bible is true and Man is a liar, and if I'm going to believe man or the Bible, I'm going to believe what the Bible says, not what man says, mm-hmm. because the scriptures, some of the scriptures that you brought out uh, that I saw in the Bible, in him there is no sin, and when I'd come across that, I was like, well, this says in him there is no sin. And why well, I accepted him as Lord and Savior, but I know that I sin. Something has to be wrong. I'm going to figure this out. And then uh, places like that says that, you know, there's a veil that covers the Old Testament, that in him the veil is lifted. Well, I don't understand the Old Testament. What? Why don't I understand the Old Testament? If I have what I say I have and what I've been convinced I have, then I would understand the Old Testament. The Bible's telling me I'm wrong. I'm going to figure this out. And it was through a series of just, you know, those scriptures that kept bringing the conviction of, hey, something's wrong. Something's wrong here. It's up to you to figure it out. Dig into it. Look for it. And it, was a, it wasn't a short period of time that it took it took a while when i started to see those things 
I'm probably about, I think it was about 12 years of digging and searching and really just trying to line it up. But in the process, it was an aspect of not just digging up the old, but it was removing the, uh, not digging up the new, but uh, removing the old, the old teachings uh, from Christianity. But my mind was set that the Bible was true. And if somebody says something that doesn't line up with the Bible, then I'm not going to believe what they say. I'm going to believe what the Bible says. And those were the things that pushed me to say, wait a minute, there's a problem here in this walk that I have. And that I thought that I had salvation. I thought that I had made I, that uh, Messiah was Lord over my life, but he wasn't. And I knew that because I would do things that I knew were not appropriate to do. And well, there's a problem with that. Oh, it's that's just part of the journey. No, that's not what the Bible says. Now, the Bible says that you having sin and that sin being forgiven is part of the journey. But Messiah, he came to for the forgiveness of sins. But we neglect the aspect that he also came to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And if sin is not righteousness, you cannot continue to sin and be righteous before God. If he's cleansed you from all unrighteousness, he's cleansed you from sin. But there's a journey in the path that you have to follow. And you had made a statement about the marking the doorpost and the lintel with the blood. That's you crying out to God in your despair of sin that you despise and you hate the sin that you have, but you can't get rid of it. And you're God that I don't care if this takes until the day I die, I'm going to fight this sin because I don't agree with it. That's you spreading the blood of yourself on the doorpost of your heart, which is the lintel and the doorpost. And remember the, in the beginning, you have the sinful nature that covers, covers the doorpost, but you cover that in your conscious mind with the blood because the lintel and the doorpost are a representation of the entrance to the house. And when I make that pure, then when the, that, when that stone is rolled away, now the entrance to my house is clean. So don't let anything unclean in that house. Because again, remember we've referenced the aspect of the uh, heart, which is the subconscious that has this stone over it, that your heart is a, is a dungeon and it's a prison and it's a tomb as long as the sinful nature covers it. Because if you don't have the sinful nature removed from your heart, your heart goes on from this life. You're not your physical heart, but you're the heart of who you are, which is your lower conscience and your upper conscience. And if the sin goes with you, it has to be thrown in the trash because it can't be in the kingdom of God and it's attached to your heart. So you have to go with it, which means you spend your life in eternal torment because you didn't have that place where mother removed the sinful nature from your heart. Now, 
The sinful nature is taking, uh, taken out of your heart so you no longer have sin and it's placed in your body of flesh. And why in the body of flesh? Well, there's a twofold aspect. The, the first one is so that you can always recognize it's by grace that you've been saved. So it's attached to your body of flesh, but you're controlling it. You're mastering it. You're improving it. You're getting better and better uh, as things go on, as time goes on. Then when you die, because it's attached to the body of flesh, when, I, when we die in this life, the body of flesh stays here. It doesn't go on to the kingdom, and therefore the sinful nature and the body of flesh are done away with, and that's what gives you the ability to enter into the kingdom of God. And when Messiah is looking at the people, he's going to be separating the, the sheep and the goats. By what? Because he's going to be looking. Oh, you have the sinful nature? Get over here. Oh, you don't have the sinful nature? Come. Come be here at my right hand. You're going to, you're going to be with me in the kingdom. Because, because you can't get away from the fact that if you don't have that sinful nature removed from your heart, then you cannot be in the kingdom of God. And so just important things to understand that you have that sinful nature, and the objective is is before the sinful nature is removed, this is, this is the, the critical point of your seeing God as a terror, you have the fear of God, you have this... this uh, brokenness to the point of crying out to God that you're going to fight this stuff till the day you die. And you're, you're slathering up that doorpost and that lintel, the entrance to your heart to prove to God that this is, this is what I want. And then mother comes and here's your Passover. You are transformed from death to life. She removes the sinful nature from your heart. Now, you are pure. You are purified. Now you have to walk in a process of practicing pure. And what happens in this as well is you become the master over sin. Sin has mastered you and will master you as long as you have the nature of sin that covers your heart. And you can't do anything. You can't take that away. Only mother can take that away. But you can, in your conscious mind, take it away. So when you take it away consciously, you're still going to sin, but you despise yourself because of that. And you continually fight it tooth and nail. I'm not going to be like this until that relief comes from mother to do the circumcision of the heart that she takes away. So you have to do your part of circumcising your heart, and that is the in your conscious mind that you're setting it all up, making sure that you agree fully with God. Then, and only after you've been proved faithful in that, will Mother come along and remove the sinful nature from your heart. And when that nature of sin is removed, then you have no more nature to sin it would, again, we talked about this, it would be like taking a dog and you do a mental conditioning that takes the nature of the dog out 
and puts the nature of a cat in. Okay, well, the dog is going to start acting differently. Why? Because he's no longer a dog, because he doesn't have that nature. So he's going to be acting like a cat. And when we have the sinful nature removed, then we're going to be acting like God. We're going to be acting like Messiah. And we need to continually practice that. And we're a master over sin, where we're controlling sin. We're controlling these things so they don't, they don't take place. Instead of it controlling us, so you don't have you don't have a choice in it. It's going to happen whether you like it or not. And that's the aspect of the sinful nature within you, and have it removed. And the only way is for you to prove faithful to God, and then Mother will do that work by her hands. Something that stood out to me was is the term. The, the word doesn't, well, the word of God does say it, but it doesn't actually say it in words. It was in actions. The word doesn't say Yeshua has no sin, which he didn't. It says in him, there is no sin, which means in Messiah, he did not sin. But we hear this in the word of God many times in him, in him, in him, in Ephesians, in him you'll do these things. It was all of it was in him. So when you claim to be in him, you cannot sin because those who claim to be in him must walk as he did. So in him is no sin. Meaning if you claim to be in Messiah, you cannot continue to sin because if you do, it's not God, that's the liar. It's you because you claim to be in him and you're not walking as he did. You're the problem. Uh, it's not God. And, you had made a statement that said that Messiah came to forgive sins. He was given the authority to forgive sins by his father, but Yeshua actually came to remove sin because repentance is actually the forgiveness of sins, which is that cleansing to John the Baptist was preparing the way of the Lord. So it's prepared to where you can have forgiveness of sins. M Messiah continuing that removal of sins and then mother's work, taking the sin nature out of your heart. So it's really neat that with Yah, that there all three of aspects of Yah have a part in it, that Abba has the repentance part, um, Yeshua, the obedience and mother, the trust, and they all, it all encompasses it, itself together. But I just thought it was very interesting how Yah lays this out is that it's a very distinct order. And just like the tabernacle, you must follow the order of it. Because people will think that, well, I accepted Jesus, my sins are forgiven. Well, Messiah died on the cross, but just because you accept or acknowledge your sins aren't forgiven, your sins aren't forgiven unless you walk in repentance, then Messiah can then, in him, you can have sin removed from you. So it's just to, to people will say, I've heard that, well, my sins are forgiven because Jesus died on the cross. No, the way to have your sins forgiven is to have repentance towards Abba first. Then you find a place to be in him by obedience to God. And that's the thing that Messiah was willing to give everything, even his very life for full obedience. And that's what we're called to do as well, that circumcising your heart, setting it in your mind, and then crucifying yourself with Christ. That's your pledge of full obedience to God. That's the pledge of a good conscience. No matter what it is, I'm going to be fully obedient, even till death. You do the same thing. Then you get to be holy because of your holy conduct. 
and then Messiah has made a way in because of his holy conduct. So we are not able to do this without God. But like we said at the beginning, that Yah wants us to learn this so that we can walk in it and not have to go to them over and over. Just like they said, be holy as I'm holy. And the key factor is that when you are seeking God, one, make sure it's a seeking with all of your heart. And two, settle but don't settle. Okay? And what this means is, like the Bible says, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. Okay, so I'm not going to conform to the patterns of the world, but I'm going to conform to the patterns of God. Well, if I'm going to conform, then I have to change that what I had prior to what I have now. And I'm going to be transformed into a new person with new abilities in the process. And so we really want to make sure that a transformation is taking place within the core of our heart because if our heart, which our heart condemns us, why does our heart condemn us? Because we know we sin. So we want to be in a place where our hearts don't condemn us and you're in that place of not having condemnation because your heart doesn't condemn you. When your heart condemns you, don't try to write it off and don't try to convince yourself that you're okay. No, destroy the house, destroy the authority attached to chaos, and then you will be able to walk in the true righteousness of God. We don't want to conform to what is not appropriate. So we want to make sure that we are making sure that what we agree upon or what we accept or what we settle with is that you settle with the fact that you know it's true from God, not because somebody's trying to convince you of those things, because you want to settle something in the truth of God, but don't settle for man's telling you this is the way it is. And this includes this podcast. Don't settle for what we're saying is true. Settle for it when you correlate it to the truth of God and you evaluate it with the truth of God and then settle the issue. That means you set it. It's settled means absolution within it. So don't settle for that, which is short, uh, short of the things of God. You know, many times people will say, well, don't settle, don't settle. Well, you, you have, if you're going to live a functional life, you have to settle, but what are you settling and how are you settling it makes a difference. And so don't settle for the lies and the deception that the enemy has brought into 
Christianity settle for the truth of God and knowing the truth of God. And when you know the truth and when the son sets you free, you are free indeed. And you are free from sin. That's part of the good news is that, yes, the good news is that I have hope of salvation, but it's also the good news that I am free from sin now so I can live a, a, a good, holy, and perfect life before God, even as I still live here. And why not? Because I'm going to continue it in the kingdom anyway. And so it's just don't settle for that what is not uh, able to be settled by the absolute truth of God. And in this, you have to be willing to be to challenge uh, not just what Christianity says, but challenge what we say, challenge what these things that we're bringing out so that you can find a reality of truth and you can settle for the truth of God rather than settling for the truth of man that will make you feel good in the beginning, but make you feel horrible in the end. Well, what we're talking about will make you feel horrible in the beginning, but make you feel good in the end. And that's the path that we want to see people on. And if you are claiming faith in God and you have sin in your life and you know you have sin, then the scripture stands true of those who claim my name if they humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land. And that healing of the land will be the removal of the sinful nature. And there you will be able to grow and produce fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long suffering, self-control. That's the concepts of the fruit that you will be able to produce in that land once you get rid of the thorns and thistles, but you can't grow, uh, nor should you grow the thorns and the thistles with the uh, good truth of God. I mean, you don't plant a garden in the midst of thorns and thistles. No, you remove the thorns and thistles and you cultivate the ground before you're going to plant that. Why do you weed a garden? instead of letting it grow together. So why would you have sin in a righteous life? You won't. It, it, if your garden is righteousness, then do by nature the things required by the law, and you will be a law unto yourself. Stop listening to mankind and really listen, take in and understand the context of what the Bible says. And in the process of doing that with seeking with all of your heart, you will find the true salvation in God and you will have the ability for salvation and righteousness in this life. Um, Sean, do you have anything as we head out for this morning? No, I would just say those that are listening out there, just like Phil had on Facebook, if any questions, any comments, because things like this will spur on conversation, Socratic conversation. And that's what we're really enjoying. So no, uh, 
nothing else to add. You know, Yah makes what they want to make clear and nothing else that I want to add to it is all wonderful discussion. So hope everybody has a good rest of the weekend. We'll see you on the next podcast on Tuesday. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.